You're listening to Work Tape, episode 64. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Tape podcast in a studio with Kevin Malara and uh, Isaac. How's it going, guys? It is Malara, right? Yes. Okay. I always thought it was Malara. Well, no, I know it's Malara, but I thought... Uh, growing up, my teachers would always pronounce it Malara for whatever reason. And even computers with spell check, very primitive spell check, would always want to autocorrect to Malaria. <laughs> Remember Microsoft Sam? Yes. <laughs> and now we have Siri. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What a, what a night and day difference. Yeah, it is a night and day difference. And uh, yeah, we're here in 2022 and we're almost on 2023. Yeah, we're pretty close. We're very close. Right around the corner. So speaking of the twos, Mitch and I were talking about getting more into two albums, like 92, 72, 82, 2002. All right. So we were talking about albums like that, and already we're tipping on 2023. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be getting to the threes. But yeah, a lot of good albums that came out in 02 and 92. And actually, I feel like 92 is pretty forgettable. That's just me. Hmm. I feel like people remember 91, 93, 94, 95, but 92 is not as memorable. But it just depends on the genre that you talk about. But anyway, yeah, I know we talked about last week, authentic versus inauthentic. And of course, we know know that you have to market in order to get noticed. Right. But it is the age-old question in art, at least since art became industrialized. Yeah. And so since the art industry you kind of wonder what that balance is between marketability and authenticity. All right. And some can actually pull it off pretty well. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who do you think has done that? Ooh. Hmm. If I had to think about it, everything will have a cost though. Like you have to compromise? Kind of, yeah. Or at least people see it that way. You know, in the Christian circles, let's say... For anybody who listens to Lecrae, that seems to be a very divisive topic for certain people. I was actually talking to a neighbor not long ago, I want to say about a month ago, and about some of the controversies that have sparked concerning him specifically, because I had mentioned that I bought a couple of records from him, and so I can just listen in my room just on my own, whatever. And that became... A little discussion right there with uh, some of his ideas and how he um, words things in his music and how that would affect, I guess, the mindset of listeners. But I also see the other side of the argument where he has, I guess, a bit of an agenda. And I don't mean it in the hidden message kind of thing or anything like that. He's very political, let's say. Talking about things relevant to what he sees, like social issues that are going around in his environment. Or even some of the people that he tends to work with in production of some of his music, like Church Clothes album. That one, he had Don Cannon um, produce and I guess he helped him release the music. There was certain tracks that didn't make it into like the EP version. I guess the ones that didn't, they were still released out anyway, you know, for free, I think. People were wondering, wait, who is this guy? And there's another track in particular that was... um, the very beginning has David Banner's signature, I guess his producer tag in the beginning. And I guess uh, people are wondering, wait, why is he working with him? You know, stuff like that. And his faith is now called into question among the church circle, I guess, for certain people. So you feel like there's some particular values that he put on the back burn for some other ones that were polarizing to his audience? 
I guess that's how other people could see it. I mean, I don't really take that argument. The way I see it is he is trying to reach a wider audience, right? He's always been vocal about that. I've watched a few interviews with him, or I guess by him. But um, the way he describes it is he wants to be a Christian that just happens to make music rather than a Christian music artist. Yeah, much like what Switch what we're talking about like decades ago. Yeah, basically. So I guess people really take issue with that. And I've even seen a few go as far as alienate people that listen to his stuff. So in relation to what we were talking about, how do you feel that relates with the authenticity or the... I guess that's where people start to question whether his faith is authentic or not. That's a debate that nobody can truly answer. Only he can answer that for himself. True. Yeah. But anyways, rolling back to music, I guess it's authentic to him, but then there's others that try to imitate that style because he's been probably the biggest name since the mid aughts. Yeah. 2004. Yeah. Among the Christian circles, but his name is probably the most talked about. So anybody else, let's say like Trip Lee or Social Club Misfits. KB. KB, Tadashi, anything that they do, I guess they compare to Lecrae stuff. And I guess some of it does copy a bit of what he does, but people tend to forget they all work together, you know, since the very early days of Christian hip hop. Well, people tend to group all Christian artists the same. So if they do rock, they're all the same. If they do rap, they're all the same. And that's not true, but that's a church issue. Yeah. And not a music issue. But people, yeah, like to do that. And people are going to do what they're going to do. But do you feel like it compromises or jeopardizes their authenticity? Because, yeah, there's that tendency to copy each other. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, I don't really see it as much of an issue. Like for me, I'm more of a casual listener when it comes to listening to you know, hip hop type stuff in particular. I'm just very casual. Sometimes I'll hear the lyric and I hear what it is that it's trying to say. But I think I've mentioned it before that the first thing that I know it is is usually a beat. And there's another track I want to say from uh, the Nothing track the song that he made that one he samples not okay maybe not samples but maybe it's more of a cover of i got five on it i got five on it has been resampled various times but that is considered a classic so i understand that he wanted to call back to something familiar to people especially for the type of audience he likes to reach so i saw it that way it's like okay cool here's a pretty cool callback for the ones who are in the know but for the ones who are not really in the know they question, wait, why are you doing that? But I guess it could come off as copying or I guess by copying an existing work, it's not authentic anymore. And rather than drawing inspiration from. Oh, yeah, yeah. Copying versus being inspired by something. Definitely two different things. Oh, yeah. And art is very arbitrary in many ways. So I don't think it's always arbitrary. I do believe that there are some absolutes. But the whole of it is arbitrary because it's so subjective. And so that's another line. What's the line between copying and straight up just being inspired by something? And I think that's what critics like to do is we like to pick it apart because we're like, okay, that's way too derivative of something. Or, hey, we like this because it's throwing back to something, but it's not a straight up copy. Yeah. Yeah. In that circle, though, I hear it from all cultures. I hear it from secular and Christian music. Mm-hmm. But yeah, growing up in a church like you did, the American church, I did notice a lot of, it's it's not as bad as some people say. It's weird because it is as bad as some people say, but then it's also not. (laughs) 
it's as bad as people say as far as Christians just straight up copying each other in the mainstream, for sure. Oh, yeah. But there are so many inventive Christian artists that I've heard that are just as good, if not better, than many other non-Christian artists. And so it is kind of a weird part of our culture Mm -hmm. that I've noticed as well. Yeah. I took a American history over the summer. I think I might have mentioned it. But anyways, I had talked about gospel music and how that was very derivative of blues, but enough of a twist was done on it that it was considered innovative, I guess. It's very interesting, definitely. It had a very, very long-lasting effect, even stuff that we see still today. And I think it's great. That actually really helped push things forward, especially for the churches. And just churches in general, because it wasn't even just the Christian churches, just a lot of churches in general just kind of adopted the style in order to reach people. I mean, gospels now, it's not what it was, but as a genre is still here. Yes, definitely. And all of these genres have really matured to, they've kind of all outgrown the blues in many ways. I don't think gospel has completely outgrown the blues, but I think it's more blues focused than rock and country are today. Objectively, yeah, but that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. And it's kind of a necessity. Mm -hmm. There needs to be some sort of copying that happens. I mean, because can you truly create something totally like of your own? No, I do not think so. No, I do not believe that. I know it's probably theoretically possible, but I don't think it's realistically possible. Yeah, you got to have some kind of influence. Like you can blend influences together and come up with something innovative, but you can always trace its roots to something or a bunch of different somethings. Yeah. And so there are artists for sure that I do think implement that better. There is a difference between taking what exists and doing something unique with it than just straight up taking what exists and just doing nothing with it. And those are the types of things I'm more critical of. That's why I think I'm so like aggressive against throwbacks because of the lack of creativity. Right. It's not that I don't enjoy the music because if someone's going to throw back to a genre or an era that I like, then in theory, you think I'd like it, right? And I would like it if it were not for the fact that this was a 30-year-old thing that occurred and you're not even doing anything fresh with it. Yeah. It's just a modern mix. Right, yeah. I get tired of that type of stuff, but it doesn't mean that there isn't any music that I enjoy genuinely and authentically that doesn't throw back to an older time because it's going to. Yeah, or even in cases where like it doesn't even throw back all that far in time, Like say something becomes popular, like really popular, even briefly. And then someone else will come in and just maybe sing a couple of lines on top of the original and call it theirs. I think some people can figure out who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to (laughs) say. You need to tell me who it was. Yeah. No, tell me, tell me, tell me. Can we edit that out after? Are you serious? (laughs) That's because, well... Okay. Who is it? <laughs> I was going to say Pitbull. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, dude. Come on. This is great. I like this. No, no. This is, this is, uh, this is fine. I have, um, <laughs> oh, man. Wasn't he kind of like the DJ Khaled in a way of that time? I, I, Not really. I don't know. No. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> See, that, that we should edit out. Yeah. <laughs> No, but... (laughs) Well, I just can't take them seriously. Whenever I hear them, I can't take them seriously. No, definitely not. Like, the one example that comes to mind is Nos Pica Americano. Remember that became such a big thing, even just for a brief moment of time? (sighs) 
Remember when Daddy Yankee was everywhere? Oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gasolina <laughs> was pretty cool for the time, but it got old so fast. It just everywhere you went, it was playing. The aughts were the repetition of the 80s where they got so excited about one element and then they just decided to make every song like that. And you could say that happened for the 90s, but I argue the 90s were a lot more unique in so many other ways. Not in every way. Okay, I can see that. Because New Jack Swing was a bit repetitive. I think it's cool, but I find the 70s spirit happening with the 90s. Okay. I really do, where they kind of took off all of these digital effects and then were like, well, let's try to do something more. It's very raw, more. Yeah, yes. Just straight, I guess, more straight up. But the 80s and the aughts were just honing down on pop elements, like left and right. It was just like pop hit, pop hit, pop hit. Mm Mm-hmm. And then just with the uh, popularity of Gasolina, just uh, (laughs) the Dembo just became the Dembo break is everywhere during the aughts. Just everywhere. Everywhere. Song. Every song that came after that. I think maybe. Oh, man. Maybe maybe I have my timeline wrong here, but I want to say about the mid 2010s is when we started seeing a fall off of that. Yeah, I think you're right. Because it went well into the early 2010s. Yeah. It was weird, man. Reggaeton is still, you know, just as strong as it's ever been. What is that? Bad Bunny? Is that? Is he, yeah. Is he, yeah, that's, that's yeah, a new he's, one. He's the biggest one right now. Yeah, he is. And just, it's not the same Dembo as, you know, back in the, the aughts. No, it's, it's evolved. It has. It's a different drum break, but it still has that recognizable element, that same rhythm. How much do you know about reggaeton and soca? And eh, not all that much, admittedly. But I mean, I had heard of uh, some Christian artists as well, because I mean, just growing up in church, that's what I seeked out. So when I found there was Manny Montez, there was uh, this guy that would just go by the stage name Funky Town Music. That was like his tagline for nearly every song. I know Funky still makes new stuff now. I haven't really kept up anymore in recent years. I kind of outgrew the style over time. Fair enough. Yeah. And my interests kind of shifted to other things. But I guess that's another thing. Like, how do you stay relevant if you've been making music for, let's say, decades? Bro, I'm all over that one. That'll be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a good one. How about it? You come back? Yep. Cool. So, uh, Kevin, yeah, I'll see you next week. All right. I'll be back. I'll see you guys then. All right. That was this edition of the Work Tape Podcast. And uh, take it easy, everyone. All right. Take care, guys. Later, Kev. <laughs> <laughs>